You're listening to the SSPX Podcast, and welcome to Episode 12 of the Crisis in the Church series. We're joined again by Father Paul Robinson, the prior of St. Isidore's in Denver, Colorado. Last episode, Father gave us an insight into modernist philosophies by looking at the encyclical Pascendi. Today, we'll look at today's Catholicism, which is completely immersed in modernism. We'll start by asking if modernist Catholics can even be considered Catholics. Then we'll look at each of the major parts of our faith through the lens of modernism, then through the lens of tradition, and see how completely different these are. Modernists have changed our interpretation of Scripture, of the sacraments, the catechism, and most notably, they've changed the liturgy and the Catholic priesthood. If you'd like to learn more about the series we're doing on the crisis in the church, or go back and revisit our previous 11 episodes, or if you want to support this project, please visit sspxpodcast.com slash crisis. Now we'll turn to our conversation with Father Robinson. Welcome back, Father Robinson, to another edition of the SSPX Podcast and the Crisis in the Church series. And we're now in part two of our section on modernism. And in this section, we're going to dive in more deeply on um, who are modernist Catholics and, and what do they believe and how does modernism work within the church or not work within the church. Uh, last episode, we were talking about modernism. And there are, uh, as you explained to me, there are modernists who are not Catholics, Um but for this episode, we're going to be talking about modernist Catholics. And to start off with, Father, could we really say that modernistic Catholicism or modernist Catholics, is that almost a, a separate religion than Catholicism? I, I think it, it would be um, because of the fact that they take the fundamental notions of religion and really they, they completely rework them. Um, their, their notions are unrecognizable from what they were before. Uh, so in the last podcast, we were talking about how they have a completely different notion of faith, um, different notion of dogma, different notion of revelation. It's all on the inside now. It's not on the outside, that sort of thing. Um, so the the church, if you, if you take a religion that's objective and a, and a religion that's subjective, you have to say they're different religions. They're completely different right. religions. Right. And... You mentioned this a little bit when we talked last time, uh, but it's it's worth repeating. It's worth uh, analyzing again through through this lens that modernists really use the same words, but they have radically different different meanings. Can you go into a little more detail on that, Father? Yes. So um, let's just take the the notion of faith um, for for traditional Catholics, traditional teaching of the Church. Faith is the internal assent of a man to a proposition that, that, that comes to him from the authority of God. So God tells me, for instance, there are three persons in one nature, in God, um, and, and I believe that with faith. It's not something I can grasp, um, but I see that it's reasonable, and, and I assent to it. But it comes to me from the outside. Whereas for the modernist, faith is, I have this feeling about God, that come, that's, that's on the inside, and then I I believe that it's God because it's so transcendent. That feeling is so overwhelming, or or that faith about Jesus Christ that He is God. That the modernists say the apostles had faith just because He triggered their divine sense so much. He gave them so many religious feelings. Being in His presence gave them so many religious feelings. They just project upon Him this this faith that it is it is God. Right. And, and again, just to draw that distinction, it's it's our imposition of something from inside of ourselves onto something outside, compared with the the real way of viewing things and 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 having faith, which is um, An faith external coming authority. from God. 
telling and, us. And, and we believe it. And we believe it. Right. Uh, so for those modernists who made their way into the church and these modernist theories, um, how would they view tradition? Uh, probably not very well, right? Yes. So, so tradition becomes something completely and radically different. And this touches close to home for us as, sure. as uh, members of the society because of the fact that John Paul II, we talked a, a lot about him in the last podcast, but he accused Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre of having a false notion of tradition in the document Ecclesia de Afflicta. This is the document he issued directly after the, the famous consecrations of the four bishops in 1988. So he said, why, why would this churchman do this, um, consecrate the bishops without apostolic mandate? It's because he has a false notion of tradition. Well, we, we would say it's the exact opposite. Um, for Traditionalist <laughs> um, tradition right. is where you hand down um, the the dogmas of the faith, the propositions of the faith, in the same sense from generation to generation. Um, so our notion of <clears throat> of our Lord Jesus Christ, He's God. There's one person in two natures. The the person is the second person of the Blessed Trinity. The Trinity is three persons in one nature: Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Son proceeds from the Father. Holy Ghost proceeds from Father, Son, you know, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, we can go through all these propositions. That's what tradition is for us. We hand down these same beliefs over time. But for a modernist, it's not about handing down beliefs. Um, it's about handing down experiences. So mm-hmm. what what tradition is, you have people of every generation have the same religious experiences that that the apostles had or the first Christians had. And what you believe about those experiences may be very different. Um, you may have an experience of, of God that is similar to the experience that Peter, Paul, and, and James had of, of our Lord. Mm-hmm. But what you, how you dogmatize that, what, what sort of formulas, what sort of faith you have about that will be completely different. So for the modernists, um, dogmas do not matter. Beliefs do not matter so much. It's more that you have the same sort of experiences and feelings. That's tradition. Right, right. Uh, and then we move on to the sacraments. Um, the sacraments, you know, we, we all know what they are. It's Baltimore Catechism. Sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. Uh, but the the modernists believe that sacraments are again something different. Uh, it's it's again almost like this this parallel religion um, that's just slightly slightly askew um, or very askew. <laughs> uh, the sacraments they say are not uh, you know a visible outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. They just say it's a sign, right? Yes, that's correct. That's exactly correct. Um, we believe that there are seven sacraments instituted objectively by Christ, who is God, and He has the power to give grace through those sacraments. Um, and so that for us, there, there's seven and only seven, since it's only Christ who can institute them. Um, but the modernists are saying, no, 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 no. The sacraments were not instituted by Christ, first of all. Second of all, um, they originated in the same way that faith originates. You, um, you have human beings who have these religious feelings, and they're, they're sitting around, and they're, like, they're sharing their religious feelings, and, and they're saying to themselves, hey, you know what? Um, I'm a human being. We do everything together communally. Typically, we, you know, when we do sports communally, we do politics communally, whatever. 
Um, we need to do religion communally. So let's mm. come up with some external signs of what we believe. And they decide upon these external signs. They decide on, hey, let's let's take some water and let's like pour it on people to symbolize them getting washed from sin. And they're like, hey, that's a great idea. I would I would like to do that same thing. So they invent these sacraments in order to manifest their internal faith. So they're purely created by human beings. They're at the service of that internal faith, and they don't actually do anything. They don't give mm-hmm. grace. All they do is just manifest what we believe. So it's a very, very different notion of, of sacrament. And, and also, it, this is where you get this idea that the liturgy should change all the time. Right. Um, if your faith is changing, if your experience of God is changing, then you need a new sacrament. You need to come up with a new sacrament. That's one thing that happened in, in the uh, post-Vatican II world is that they, they, they wanted to broaden the notion of sacrament, pretty much call anything a sacrament, and also um, open the door for liturgical innovation <clears throat> so that if the particular community, like if you have your community in Phoenix and they have different sensibilities, they, they need a palm tree in there, you know, that's what moves them. Um, so, you know, let's have a liturgy with the palm tree um, because right. that corresponds to our faith and we ritualize it by inventing a new palm tree sacrament. Right. Well, we would have a prickly pear uh, <laughs> sacrament, but yeah, that's quibbling. Um, but this is where this this just happened this year, actually, just just a, a month or two ago, where we have this scandal over these baptisms that were uh, possibly, probably invalid, where the priest said, "We baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost." Uh, instead of saying "I baptize you," uh, and so this is this is a, a symptom. This is this this scandal happened because of modernism, because they see the sacraments as not something static, something that you have to do this ritual, this formula. Uh, but instead, it's oh, I'm going to use the word "we" instead of "I," and now there's a big mess because now you have to redo baptisms and then ordinations and marriages and confirmations and everything. Yes, that's a perfect example, uh, Andrew. When people feel like they have the right, modernists feel like they have the right to modify the liturgy as they wish, um, because they have this sense that unless we are expressing um, our internal religious feelings, then our religion is dead. Um, remember that right. vital eminence. It's a living thing. By the fact that it's living, it's always in flux. Um, and so I have to completely sort of check Put, put the stethoscope on my stomach on those religious feelings and say, oh, what vibe am I getting now from God and how do I express that? So I'm going to re- express it ritually in different ways over time. Um, so, hey, if, if I want to say I baptize you in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sanctifier, then there was, there was a bishop in Queensland in, in Australia that was doing that a, a while back, and the Vatican had to say that, you know, those were invalid as well. Um, or I, I want to say, make this a team baptism where we say we baptize you. Um, well, right. that doesn't work because you have to represent Christ. Christ is the one baptized. It has to be a single agent. And so it, um, it makes the sacrament invalid. <clears throat> and thanks be to God, they clarified that. I mean, thanks be to God, right. not everybody's modernist. Um, and, and they, yeah. they said, no, you know, those people need to get rebaptized. Right. And it is interesting, again, a little bit of a sidebar, and I, I know we're spending a decent amount of time on this, but it is interesting to me that, um, you know, the, the church is 
infected, I don't think that's too strong of a word, infected with this modernism, so much so that a priest would use an invalid formula. Uh, but yet, at the same time, the church is still saying, no, you have to reuse these these same words. At least, like you said, at least there's that still there. Uh, but it really does show the, the contradiction uh, that's happening. That's one example of contradictions that happen within the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I really think that um, the advent of modernism has created a huge conflict uh, between different sides of the church. It's created like two different political parties, you know, the liberal right. wing and the conservative wing, um, and they're always doing battle. I think the, the liberals have generally won out the past 50 years, that's for sure. Um, but, but tradition is, is definitely, um, I, I think it's, it's rising. It's becoming a, a lot more popular, um, especially among the youth. But we, we, are, we are dreaming for the day when, when those perspectives get completely defeated. And there's no more this idea that you have carte blanche to innovate with the liturgy. And that's one of the major problems with the new mass. There's, there's the, so many different forms. I mean, you, you don't know what the mass is going to be like. And this right. complete, depends completely on the individual church and the sensibilities of the priest because they explicitly put in there um, a lot of room for innovation. Um, but the liturgy right. is not just not meant to be that way. That's definitely a very modernist perspective. Absolutely. Uh, next, we move on to the to the scriptures. Um, a modernist Catholic would view the scriptures, I, I assume, as just some sort of um, life experience, kind of uh, autobiography type thing. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, and you know, it, it's one thing about modernism is it is a complete system. Once you grasp the, the general idea, then you see how it applies logically to really right. everything. So what's, I mean, you can kind of guess what's going to happen when they talk about scriptural inspiration. If everything comes back to that, that feeling of faith, then what are the scriptures? How do we, where did the scriptures come from? It must have been the scripture writers were having these feelings and they say, I want to express my faith. I want to express my faith about Christ, what I believe about him. I want to express my faith about the church or, or whatever. And so they write down their beliefs in Scripture. And inspiration, then, is just that, that impulse that they have to reveal their faith to others, to, to, to speak about their faith to others and write it down. Um, so that completely removes the supernatural. Now it's just um, someone says, I would like to write a book to talk about my, mm -hmm. the memoirs of my faith. That's what the Scripture right. has become. And it's just as valid as the scriptures. If if you if if I was writing a book about my my experiences of the faith, it would be just as valid as the scriptures because modernism. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, and then the church uh, itself, the institution of the church, um, the modernists would see that as a, like a I guess I'm I'm kind of guessing here, like a, a protector of everyone else, everyone's individual beliefs. Is that kind of how they'd see it, or? Well, they, they often go back to saying this is the way human beings are, and the reason why the church came or the sacraments came was to satisfy this need of human beings. So okay. faith, faith comes from our need um, for the divine. Um, the, the, the question of scriptures comes from the need to express myself. The sacrament comes from the need for, for me to ritualize what I believe. Um, and then the church, the church itself comes from the fact that humans are social, and they, they have this, we have this need to do things together. And so you have, they're, they're sort of imagining this primeval origin of religion. And, and people are sitting around and they're like, hey, tell me about your religious experiences. And the other person, and he says his, and the next person says theirs. And they're like, hey, 
why don't we do this like every Saturday? What do you think? <laughs> yeah. And then and then they start meetings on Saturdays. And finally they say, hey, why don't we start to get organized? Like, let's make an institution. Let's make a religious institution that where where we can sort of continually share our religious experiences and invite other people to do so. And we'll call it church. So, <laughs> so it's not like the church was founded by Christ. It wasn't like the sacraments were established by Christ. It wasn't like scripture was inspired by Christ. It all comes from individual human beings expressing their faith, having this need to express their faith, express it communally, express it in writing, express it in rituals. It, it all comes from us. Religion doesn't come and, from and, God. And, and the, then the church kind of devolves into this, this democracy. It's this collective of, of individual people. Uh, and, and even you, Father, as a priest, uh, if you're Father Paul in our new <laughs> uh, modernist uh, congregation, you know, well, Father Paul says this, but Andrew says this, and, you know, let's vote on it. Uh, but you're, you are not, as a priest, you are not a, uh, you're a little bit more equal than others, but <laughs> to use the, uh, to use the communist phrase, but you're not really an authority figure anymore in the church. No, because it's an all bottom up system. It's not that top down system where God reveals truths. We hold on to the truths. We pass down the truths. It's, these people have these religious experiences, and the priest is there sort of as a, a facilitator. He like goes right. out, and he's like, okay, let me get track of the vibe right now, the religious vibe. Yeah. Okay, what are you guys feeling right now? Um, yeah. Let's talk. And it's sort of like modern education where they sit around and they read a passage and like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Right. You know, so what, what are your religious feelings right now? How can we express this as a community? And you just do that day after day. Right. And, and, it, and the priest becomes someone who, and, and we'll get into the priesthood, I think, in a later episode, but the priesthood then becomes this, well, how can I, how can I serve you? What is, what is my role as a facilitator for your own religious experience? And, you know, obviously the, there, is a, there is an aspect of service to the priesthood, for, for sure. Our Lord himself showed that by, by washing his disciples' feet. Uh, but that's not your only role. Your, your primary role is, is a guardian and a teacher, and if needs be, a, a disciplinarian. I guess that's more bishop, but... You, you are an authority figure. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm at the service of the faithful to sanctify them. You know, right. um, I, 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 I'm not supposed to spare myself in their sanctification. Um, but when it comes to teaching them, um, I'm not at their, <laughs> I'm not meant to serve them. Um, I, I'm meant to teach them. I'm meant to guide them. I'm meant to govern them. The traditional three powers of the priest are the power to govern, the power to teach, and the power to sanctify. Um, mm-hmm. But in, in in that modernist conception, um, you know, it, it's it's more like the priest is a facilitator to help people express their religious feelings. Uh, and, and, I, and I think, unfortunately, that might be half of what's behind this notion that the priest has to get to know the smell of his sheep. You know, has to be s- sniffing that... <laughs> sniffing the religious feelings and if he's not doing that then he's not really understanding how to to help them express the religious feelings but i mean in this situation dogma is changing constantly liturgy is changing constantly um sacraments it's just all in flux um because it's all based on these feelings that are changing always i mean if i i I just can't even imagine what i would be like for me have to do this um, just continually polling my faithful as to what they feel like feel, uh, believing tomorrow. Right. You know? right. 
it would be exhausting. Uh, kind of like I, I talked with Father Reuter uh, in an earlier episode about you know you 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 feel shackled when you're when when you're uh, in this uh, liberalism in this in this modernism uh, because the truth, as he said, the truth will set you free. And, and obviously, it's a common phrase. Um, modernist liberals they see the truth as something that that imprisons you, but in in effect, not having any truth at all imprisons you so much more you're, you're stuck in this constant changing uh evolving dogma that is based on what nothing yeah it's it's a massive massive burden because you have to create everything instead of just saying god who is above me reveals things i just have to follow it i just have to believe it i just have to live up with it that's so clear and that's so straightforward um, but this whole idea that I've got to continually be generating religious feelings and I've got to continually be generating dogmas and sacraments and church from that uh, places a huge burden on people. And plus, uh, it also makes them very unsure of who they are. It's like they don't even have right. their identity. Right. I think that's why there's this Catholic identity crisis. We don't even know who we are anymore because we can't anchor ourselves in revealed dogmas. We're, we're continually creating what we are while not knowing right. what we are. We're, we're changing something. Oh, it's not working. Well, let's change it some more. That's not working. Let's change it some No, go back. Go back to what was, what was true. That, that was always the argument of, of the archbishop. How can what I've always done or what the church has always done, how can that possibly be wrong in, in 1970? It, wasn't right. ro- it was never wrong for the past 2,000 years. Um, right. But but I, I think one one of the the things that, that Pius X points out is this need in the mind of the modernists to have continual change, continual evolution in religion. It's almost like a hallmark of good religion in their minds, um, and that's why the the name modernism is actually very appropriate um, because yeah. you always have to keep up to date. Um, religion is always progressing it's it's always changing so you if if you're for the modernists if your religion is staying the same over time you're believing the same things you're having the same liturgy what have you then your religion is dead and, and that's why mm-hmm. there's this so much scorn and contempt for traditional catholics it's like they can't believe it that that you would want to do the same thing that's always been done um, for them if a religion is true it is living, and it's always changing. It's always evolving. Um, that is a sign that you're getting in touch with that religious sense, that you're getting in touch with, with the current consciousness of the religious sense. And this whole notion of we have to adapt religion to the mentality of modern man is, is very much there. Um, this, you know, they, they would look at the traditional mass, for instance, and they say, that's, that's just so... Latin, that, that's so Roman, you know, that goes back to the ancient times. It, it just, we can't relate to that anymore. We have different right. faith experiences. We have different religious experiences. And so we, we've got to have mass facing the people. Um, we, we've got to have women involved in, in, uh, on the altar. We can't have an all male priesthood. This is, we have totally different sensibilities. People can't relate to it anymore. And if you keep that religion the same, if you don't change it, then it's a dead religion. If you're continually adapting and changing, then it's it's uh, a living religion and it's good. And you, you think of like, I think of Anglicanism, um, where 
over time they they started to adopt women priests and then they went to to women bishops and and now the whole gay thing you can have gay bishops or you can have transgender bishops or who knows who knows i mean it right. just it just goes there's no end to it right and 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 people aren't and and again they're 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 not looking back at the source of the problem they're just trying to fix a symptom instead of fixing the problem they're they're saying well people aren't uh, aren't engaged in the church anymore, so we need to get them engaged by doing this, this, this. Uh, and and to me, the answer is is a lot more simple. It's people aren't engaged in the church anymore because you're not teaching them. We can't we can't love what we don't know. We can't be engaged in something of which we know nothing. And that's your fault as the hierarchy, not you, Father, but broadly the hierarchy. That's your fault for not teaching us. And that's kind of the whole point behind this whole series. We're, we we have to help teach what is out there so that people can love it. Absolutely. I mean, the the faith is stunningly beautiful. The, the doctrines that we believe as Catholics, when you, you, you delve into them, you know, I mean, I, I taught, I was, had that grace to teach 10 years at a seminary and which forced me to go very deeply into some of the dogmas. And it's, it's just amazing how much is there. I was trying to explain to my students the other day, how hopefully through our religion class, you can see how the supernatural order has a similar beauty and just complexity and wisdom that you can see in the natural order. You can study science and see the complexity and the intricate harmony that's there, but also in the truths of our faith, how they all fit together. And it's so beautifully designed by God, the supernatural order. Um, but you right. miss all of that if you're just making it up as you go. Right, right. Yeah, it's impossible. Well, Father, thank you so much for this Um for this explanation, this two-part explanation that we've just finished now of, of, of modernism, um, it helps me out quite a bit, uh, and hopefully our, our viewers and, and listeners as well. Um, but we will be talking with you again, I think, on on a future episode. We're still yeah, I, I've got a few more topics, so uh, okay. I'm looking forward to discussing those with you as well. All right, fantastic. Well, thank you, Father. Have a wonderful week. You too, Andrew. God bless. Thank you for listening to and watching episode 12 of our Crisis in the Church series here on the SSPX podcast. In episode 13, we'll be speaking again with Father Robinson as we continue our study of modernism by closely comparing the words of Pope St. Pius X with the modern popes. In essence, we'll provide a virtual conversation of sorts between the popes across the century. If you have a question on the topic of the crisis, please feel free to ask it at sspxpodcast.com slash crisis. Please share this episode with someone who you might think would enjoy it. And if they don't know what a podcast is, please show them so that they can take advantage of all our episodes. And if you have the ability to set up a monthly recurring donation of 5 or 10 or $20 on sspxpodcast.com, it would help us immensely to complete this Crisis in the Church project. Until next time, thank you for listening, and God bless you.